Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Levers. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Wrong and Wronger. You have stumbled upon the podcast that somehow inexplicably got off the ground without a hitch this week. <laughs> I am the better-looking co-host, Steve, Dr. Steve Olivas, and he is James, who might just out-manly man me this week, Breakwell. And James, how are you doing this week, brother? I'm doing great. I mean, I did, oddly enough, just write a book on how to be a man, and here we are talking about manliness, (laughs) not even deliberately to promote the book, but it absolutely will be used to promote the book because I am shameless in all areas of my life. You know, the episode from two weeks ago that got nixed had a long plug for your book, and I did feel bad last week for not bringing it back in because I, when we talked about the manliness aspect today, that was my first thought. We got to connect this back to the book so we can make up for missing it last week. It's possible the book is cursed, and that's why that episode failed. Like, I'm just, I'm not, (laughs) the world is conspiring against me to not sell this book. For those of you who didn't hear that episode, which was everyone since it was never released, least my upcoming book is called (laughs) how to be a man whatever that means lessons in modern masculinity from a questionable source and i think if you've listened to any episodes including just this one you know i am the most Mm. questionable of all sources so this is a book of funny stories from my life i mean you hear me sharing various stories here on the podcast it's like that but with an editor and without steve all my best content laid before (laughs) you and then i kind of look at how what, what lessons about masculinity should this have taught me uh, that I failed to learn or did learn despite myself. It's a, it's a pretty good book, I think, I, if I do say so myself, because I'm incredibly biased and I will say literally anything to make you buy it. Uh, but hey, I might even send a free copy to Steve one of these days so he can lie and say he likes it too. We'll see what happens. I have already purchased Ooh. or pre-ordered your book, so I need not a free one. Wow, you are you are not a freeloader, my friend. You are a paying customer. <laughs> Just drop a couple nickels into Breakwell's piggy bank there. Absolutely. I will I will use that dollar in royalties uh, for, for ill purposes, I promise. Oh, absolutely. And you're not a questionable source when it comes to masculinity this week because you have been digging like an entire chain gang out in your front yard for several weeks now, flexing the pythons, <laughs> hanging and banging because the sun's out and the guns are out at the Breakwell house. Yes, actually, that's the reason I'm dressed in this scuddy-looking uh, gray hoodie yet again is because I was doing yard work <laughs> up until the minute you called. Uh, because as I build my retaining walls out there, all my other yard work has fallen by the wayside. Because unfortunately, this retaining wall... And and the hill I built behind it did not kill all of my grass, so there was some grass I still had to go and mow. <laughs> now, I've got my backyard divided up into two separate small pig pastures, so they, they chew it down pretty well back there, but they poop on some of the grass, and they won't eat where they poop, so I, got, I had to go weed whack that, then I had to go and mow out front. I've got to trim back some bushes before I get back to the walls. So it's uh, it's been a week, but I guess, well, actually it's been a couple weeks, but here we are talking about this, and somehow... You are smarter than I, and you don't do any yard work at all. How did you manage that? 
James, I am, I'm getting a little bit worn out just listening to you describe all the work that you do. I'm going to need a break in just a second, if that's all right. What? Possibly a cold beer and a nap on the recliner. I, because uh, my wife enjoys doing all of that. But I will say, she has even punted on mowing the grass again. Really? She, I, I can't remember if I told you this or not. I probably did off air. But so... We have, uh, we've had a yard guy since we've been in our big house. <laughs> and uh, we, so we don't have a lawnmower. We didn't have a weed whacker. We just hired the lawn guy. And my wife decided, all right, we're spending too much money on the lawn guy. I'm buying a riding lawnmower. Ooh. And uh, I didn't realize that the math worked out against me quite the way that that did. But <laughs> so we got a lawnmower, except the lawnmower, and I don't know uh, who sued who over what, but the lawnmower will not start unless 130 pounds is in the driver's seat. My wife doesn't weigh close to 130 pounds, <laughs> and so she has to put... Have I told you no, this off air? No, you haven't. Oh, my God. So we have like uh, some random barbell weights that uh, we've accumulated for our son and whatever. So she took a 25 pound barbell weight, like a plate, and uh, wrapped it in a towel, put it on the seat. She sits on that to get the thing started. And then she can get off, take the thing off and then mow the grass. Holy cow. That is so. That was how did yeah. how did children mow their lawn? Like you know, dad says go mow the lawn, son. This is how you learn responsibility. It can, does responsibility start at one hundred and thirty pounds? Oh well, that's the uh, you're having the exact conversation with me that I had with myself <laughs> after this, which is so if you're trying to save the kitties, it still requires dad to sit on the seat to start the thing and then have the eight-year-old kid jump on and mow the lawn. Is that really safe? Or are we just adding this stupid feature so that uh, all the lawyers are happy and all the, the people who would uh, uh, somehow be hurt if they could turn on the lawnmower would not be hurt? It's a crazy world we live in, James. I bet you it has a kill switch that if you got up to try to switch places with your kid, I bet you that mower would stop. I, boy, I don't know the answer. It was, So here is the deciding variable okay. on this particular conversation. I'll tell you what ended up, we, we got our lawn guy back. And <laughs> That's the end of the story. <laughs> That's like, I'll just jump right to the conclusion. <laughs> but uh, I thought my wife then took the plate off, got back on and mowed the grass. But what you're saying is if she were to have done that with a kill switch, it wouldn't have worked. Ergo, she would have had to mow the grass sitting on that 25-pound yes. barbell plate. That is my supposition. I don't know the answer, but I will find out because now you've got me curious. Okay, so did she, so did, that gets back to your point, which is can an eight-year-old learn responsibility and mow the grass on a John Deere riding mower? And the answer then would be no. I don't know. You know, I don't know how much I want to trust an eight-year-old to drive. I guess my my eight-year-old is pretty good at driving. She's got one of those uh, Barbie Power Wheels Jeeps, and she can whip that thing around. <laughs> she's she's outgrown it now. When my uh, my youngest was like four, four is a little dicey for driving anything especially if it's got you know spinning yeah. blades eight's pretty good i don't know if i trust her with a lawnmower necessarily i think i was older when i started mowing i was probably 
12, I'm guessing. And I, I, I was going to say 12 for me. Yeah. yeah. And I think my yard was the size of a postage stamp. So I wasn't, I wasn't exactly doing a lot, but I will say this mowing the yard is the one chore I don't mind. Now I do mind that it takes time that I have to block out time for it. I have to plan, you know, sometime when I'm going to be home, the weather's good. I have to shower afterward. That part is annoying, but the actual act of going out there is wonderful because that mower is loud and the kids stay away from it. So I'm completely by myself and I just <laughs> pop in my headphones and turn an audiobook up to max volume and it's a good time. And it used to be like 45 minutes to myself. Now it's like 20 minutes to myself now that I've, I have pigs mowing some of my grass and a retaining wall killing the rest. But hey, it's still just 20 minutes is 20 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did this well, it, division start within your within your household where suddenly the outside realm, which is usually what falls to the husband, fell to your wife, and the inside realm, which often falls to the wife, probably also falls to the wife? Like, I'm assuming you're just useless top to bottom in this scenario. Well, uh, other than I pay for it all. Oh, <laughs> that doesn't count. That's sort of my count. contribution. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You're absolutely right. Like... When did earning all the money suddenly become meaningless okay. in relationships? I, you know what? Like, I, I, I will say this. So, like, I, I see relationship arguments online and stuff like that because I'm just a voyeur for other people's, you know, marriage problems. And this comes up like people, <laughs> you know, these situations where somebody's like a stay-at-home mom, and they're like, I, you don't help out enough around the house. It's like in my mind, if you take on the role of stay-at-home mom, like that kind of. Everything gets encompassed within that. Now, my wife and I, we both work full time. And so with that, it's like I don't have a justification. I can't dump this on my wife because we're both bringing in half the income. So we got to split the chores, right. too. But if you, like, take it upon yourself, I've got the house and the kids, I think you should get the house and the kids. If the husband also has to work full time and come home and do half the chores, I think he has probably negotiated very poorly. It's probably not a, probably <laughs> not a great catch, and the wife knows she holds all the leverage in that situation. I'm exaggerating my situation because it really is a division of labor. Like, she takes care of everything at the house. Yesterday, she announced that the upstairs air conditioning unit had gone out. Ooh. And uh, my answer was, okay. And then she <laughs> said, I'll call the guy. And I went, done and done. And that was the end of the conversation. That is that is nice to have just everything taken care of like that. What, why, what makes you worth it that she caters to you like this? Why is she not just throwing you out? <laughs> Well, boy, that list is probably very short and uh, probably specious if she actually looked at it with any kind of depth. But I don't know. She lives in a house that growing up she would have never imagined she'd be able to live in. And we do what we want to do. Now, so she has a decent life. Do you have a cleaning person for inside like you have a yard person for outside? No, we do not. Ooh, you have. And my wife would either fire or kill anyone that tries. I am kind of surprised by that because I know I I have not seen the Steve Olivas Manor with my own eyes. I can't get past the security guard, but knowing as I do that you have like twenty five <laughs> acres of interior space, I'm oh shocked that even that your wife can clean that within like a week or a month or even a year. We lost our last kid today. Oh. The last billet hockey boy took off for home today. And uh, when I left early this morning, my wife was already up cleaning. Wow. Like, uh, getting his room back to being a guest room and vacuuming and doing all that kind of washing the bedding. I think she has to go to a laundromat to do that. 
But uh, yeah, no, she she enjoys that. She is all about order and cleanliness, and I am sort of the opposite. And by sort of, I mean completely the opposite of that. I figure if I can step over it, it's not really in the way yet, so I don't need to take care of it. Now, you use... She likes every... Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, she likes every corner to be squared, okay. that kind of thing. You used a dangerous word there. You said she enjoys it. Now, does she enjoy it as in this is this is a fun and rewarding activity, or does she enjoy it in the sense that living in filth makes her miserable, and so she has to do this to avoid, you know, emotional trauma? Yes to the part two, but I think she enjoys it for the same reason that I used to enjoy mowing the grass, which is there is something inherently satisfying about standing on the front porch and looking at your freshly mowed lawn thinking, I have done this. And I think she likes the end result that uh, she may not like cleaning, but she likes having cleaned. That is why I think mowing is immensely superior to vacuuming. So if you have to split with your partner, spouse, roommate, whoever, who does what, always, always choose mowing. Because when you get done mowing, like you can tell you've made a difference. The grass was tall and now mm. it's short. And mm. you can, you can mm -hmm. tell you've made a mark on the world. When you vacuum, I mean, nine times out of ten, that floor looks exactly the same unless it was just absolutely disgusting to start with. I mean, you're vacuuming up invisible dirt. How unsatisfying is that? You know, the funny thing is, and my wife did this with the riding mower too. Like the first time she mowed the grass, I'll, I'll back this into how it relates to vacuuming, although you'll see it coming in a second. <laughs> the first time she mowed the grass with the riding mower, she was a little bit perplexed. And I came home that night and she said, I wonder how like guys at ballparks, how do they mow the grass so that everything looks straight and organized with like the wheel tracks and the mowing one direction and then the other, like the grass looks striped. Mm -hmm. So all of that to say, she did figure that out, which is why the lawn guy is back because she can't <laughs> turn the wheel hard enough to do the turn she wants to make the lawn look perfectly straight. And anyway, but that's the way she vacuums too. That uh, the vacuuming is done in a design. And so the wheel tracks of the vacuum cleaner create the illusion of cleanliness because you can tell it is freshly vacuumed. That is impressive and mildly alarming. Now, <laughs> I guess uh, if you said something like this, you said she couldn't turn the wheel hard enough. So did you buy yeah. a subpar lawnmower, one that had a steering wheel rather than the zero turn one with the bars? Yes. Oh. Yes. What? She bought uh, a sit-on tractor instead of one of the... Uh, Oh, I see what you're saying. There are sit-on zero turns also. Our neighbor has one that you stand on. Whoa. And uh, there, there's like a little uh, arm that sort of pivots behind the mowing mechanism that you stand on. But uh, yeah, yeah. Some of the uh, bigger lawns have guys that come with those zero turns that you sit on. They, they look like a green machine in that uh, the turners are like you push and pull each bar. Like there's a bar in your left hand and a bar in your right hand kind of thing. I like that there are zero-turn mowers that you have to stand on. Like that brings a whole other level of intensity to lawn care. Like you're like an admiral standing <laughs> on the bow of the ship. You can't even sit down or relax. Yes! You have to be up there and get the most perspective you can. Look down on every blade of grass. Well, this guy too. God, I don't understand people, James. So I, I could have told I think you that. I brought yeah. this up on this show. 
they're a young couple and they can afford to live in my neighborhood, which already makes me dislike them. But then he comes trotting out with this zero turn stand on thing that probably cost him eight grand. And I hate him even worse. This uh, this must be an old person thing because you sound like my father-in-law. He has a new neighbor that moved in. <laughs> And they, uh, and they're, they're, it's a couple with a young kid and they probably, they're probably about my, my wife's age, maybe slightly younger. And they, uh, but my father-in-law's like, how can they afford to be in this neighborhood? Their jobs don't seem to be that great. They have a babysitter who drives in like once a week from like four hours away. They're doing all this landscaping. It's like, where's this money coming from? Like when somebody moves into my neighborhood, I don't question where the money's coming from. I know they fall out on hard times. I know terrible decisions have led them here. (laughs) And I just leave them be. We, I thought I was waving to the wife for the last few weeks. And my wife was with me one day and I waved to the lady and I said, uh, it's funny, her kids, it's an Asian gal. And I said, the kids don't really look Asian. I talk to the little boy sometimes. And she said, you know, that's their nanny, right? (laughs) And that made me hate them even worse. (laughs) Now I'm angry again, James. Are these the people who bought the house sight unseen and were moving in the day somebody else was moving out, or is this a different neighbor you hate? Yes. Nope. Same one. Same one. Man, I would yes. I would love to have buy a house on sight unseen money. Now, the real estate market is crazy. Uh, you want you want to hear a, a crazy real estate story? Yes, so, I do. So my buddy has is now hunting for a house at the worst possible time. I, I can't criticize him too much. So I bought my house in 2008, like months before the housing market crashed, <laughs> like right on the cusp. But at least like that was kind of hidden unless you knew stuff about finances, which obviously I don't know anything about anything. But right now, uh, after the pandemic, like supply is low, interest rates are low. So everybody's buying houses. Offers are going yep. like crazy. And it doesn't matter yep. where you are. It is, it is rural Indiana, uh, you know, up north in the big city down in nashville everywhere the market's crazy so he's going and he puts in an this is the second house he's put an offer in on and he goes in and he offers like let's say 10 to 15 percent over asking like this is a substantial offer and he offers it like the first or second day it's on the market and the people come back and they say actually what we want you to do is we want you to agree that if the bank appraises our house and the appraisal comes back higher than the, your offer, which was already over the asking price, we want you to agree to cover the difference between your offer and the appraised value. Now, th- think about that for a minute. They're basically asking you to legally write them a blank check. Like, I think your yes. house, let's just say, for example, it's not 100000 but like, so let's say the house is worth 100000 and he offers 120000 And then they're like, yeah. yeah, but if the bank appraises it at 200000 you agree to pay us that. Like, what sane human or rational human being, what, what person of all who's even heard of money would agree to this? <laughs> and I was like, was your realtor just aghast? Is this like some absurd? thing she'd never heard of and he's like no my realtor had heard of it they his realtor told him you know absolutely do not agree to this but like this is a thing this is how entitled sellers are right now they have so much leverage they think they can get you to write them blank checks so uh, i'm glad i already have a house even if my neighborhood is where you come when your hopes and dreams die sure well every town has a skid row (laughs) but uh one of my buddies is a realtor, and he said the new thing is to do like a reserve auction on eBay Whoa. where the house is worth $100,000. So what you say to your realtor is, 
uh, offer a hundred thousand, but I'll go up to one fifty. So if somebody bids above me, you just bump my bid to a thousand bucks or five thousand bucks over theirs until we hit one fifty, and then call me because I may bump it up to one eighty, like that kind of thing. Wow. You know what? You know, yeah. You know what else is interesting? As long as we're talking about crazy markets and people you hate, uh, realtors. I don't. I, I don't <laughs> hate realtors, by the way. That was a bad segue. But uh, apparently, realtors <laughs> are not making a lot of money right now, which seems weird because everything's selling, but everything's selling, but there's not much out there. And I think everybody who oh. like has a part-time realtor license is kind of jumping back into since houses sell in a day, so it's easy money. There's just not enough houses to go around. So the the realtors I've talked to, like their incomes. Are are like way way down it's like how can that be everything's selling over asking price the market's the hottest it's ever been it's like yeah but if there's nothing to sell you don't make any money so there you have it everybody's losing out on this realtors are losing out buyers are losing out steve's <laughs> losing out because he lives next to young people and that bothers him they do you want to go audit those people to figure out where their money's coming from I absolutely do. <laughs> that would require a conversation with them, though, and I'm not sure I'm up for that these now, days. Now, to bring this full circle, though, this so this this family, they, they moved in, they bought this house, they, they rushed inside unseen. Um, presumably, they hired movers, so they didn't move themselves in. They've got a nanny, so they don't do the child care by themselves. But do they do their own yard work? Yes, the Ooh. guy has that stand on the thing. Lawnmower. Oh, that's right. That was the segue into all of this. So that was that was the yeah. guy. So isn't it interesting that he's willing to pay people for all these other services and to pay a premium to even get the house? But the one thing that's so essential to his manhood that he won't delegate it out is that mowing. <laughs> that one is his. Uh, that's a good point. And they don't have a huge yard like I... I you know, the 28 acres is indoors, not oh, outdoors okay. in my neighborhood. So it uh, probably takes him, without exaggerating, maybe 17 minutes to mow his grass. So, yeah, I don't know why he doesn't just shell out 40 bucks to my guy and just have him mow through his yard at the same time he's doing ours. Well, those zero-turn mowers are not cheap. I mean, I'm guessing at minimum he paid $2,000 for that thing. Would you say that's a irrational estimate? I said probably seven-ish. At, wow. And you figure, okay, 40 bucks a time. I mean, it's going to take you a substantial number of years to regain that investment. But is your, 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 your guy is only $40 a week in your neighborhood? I am, I am shocked by that. Well, I might have, uh, I might have squeezed him a little because there's plenty of competition. Yeah. I, I remember we we hired a kid to mow our grass at our old house, and I told my dad what I paid the kid. My dad got angry, made me pay him more, <laughs> because one thing I can do is negotiate a deal. So we're probably a little higher than that on the open market, but I was able to get ours at 40. Well, and I, I'm sure you expect with your for your neighborhood, the premium deal, like he probably has to kiss your grass to bed at night, you know, tuck it in, all these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes up for itself because we, we, all the neighbors joke about the bubble that we live in. When any contractor comes out, they immediately slap on 30% oh, because of our zip code. Man. And so you've got to be vigilant constantly about making sure to get the deal that is supposed to be there 
versus having that uh, bubble tax put on it. I think I would pay the 30% premium if the contractor actually showed up. That's uh, that's a whole other discussion. My aunt, that, that's why my, my uh, dad was shocked. He's like, "Why are you building this retaining wall yourself?" You In fact, there's a chapter in that that book I'm shilling about how I discovered it was so awesome to uh, to pay people. How there's no shame in it. You can go and do other things. You can keep working your day job or your side gig or whatever else and you just pay somebody who knows what they're doing to take care of it for you so why all of a sudden was i now building this wall and it's because well i hired a guy to build this pantry and we're in month seven of a two-week project like if i hire out this wall it will never be done like my kids will go to college before this wall is in place so i have come full circle at first i thought as a man i have to do all my home improvements myself then i evolved to know i can pay a professional and now i have given up on professionals and i am doing things again myself <laughs> just so they eventually get done so i have i have evolved in a circle i'm right back where i started i have learned nothing and that is my life in a nutshell. Well, you've learned to just stop trying. But that, like, uh, just go back to basics and keep your life that but way. But the problem is, when I went back to basics, I have to try now. So now I've got this landscaping project going, and you can't stop halfway through. So, like, if you don't try at all, if you just do nothing with your landscape, people just shrug and say, okay, you don't care. But, like, once you open it up, <laughs> I put this wall out there, and it's like, clearly he cares. He's trying. So I can't stop halfway. Oh. I can't, like, put the, put the wall in and then not do the landscaping. It's like, oh, he cares, and that's the best he can do. Now we really have to judge him. So now I have to actually make sure I do a good job on it. So that's a oh, caring a little God, bit is I'm always sorry. a mistake because it leads to caring a lot. And that's, that's just a downhill slippery slope. Well, because we don't particularly care about this podcast, <laughs> I'm going to draw it to a close and pretend we didn't even try in the first Ooh. place. So thank you. Thank you. My segues. Yes. On point. Obi-Wan. <laughs> so You've survived another episode of Wrong and Wronger, and for that, I wonder a little bit about the state of your mental health. But until next week, when you again defy the odds and show up, talking to you, Judy P. This is Steve Ali. It was Dr. Steve for James the Exploding Unicorn Breakwell saying thanks for listening, thanks for watching, thanks for telling all of your friends and family so that our ratings can continue to drop. And until we meet again, remember, as always, two wrongs can make a right.